This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. Welcome into the Whole Hog Football Podcast. I'm Matt Jones, joined today by the Hall of Famer, Bob Holt of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. A little bit of, uh, appropriately, the Mizzou grad and the U of A grad here for Arkansas-Missouri week, Friday afternoon. The Razorbacks are going to play the Tigers at Razorback Stadium. A 3 o'clock kickoff this year, a little bit later than Arkansas's Black Friday games have been in the past. And we'll talk about that game. Plenty to talk about coming up here a little bit later in the show. But first, Bob, the, the news of the week is that Sam Pittman is being retained as Arkansas's football coach. I thought the timing of uh, that news was a little curious. But as I've thought about it more throughout the week, I think it's kind of like you look at this like a, a stabilizing of the markets, so to speak. He's got to go out and he's got to find an offensive coordinator. They've got to have a good recruiting period in December, whether it be transfer portal, whether it be you know the high school class that they're trying to retain. And I think this is probably just a matter of Arkansas's AD, Hunter Yurchek, trying to get out there and say, hey, I'm going to stand behind my guy for next year. And now I think that you know that it's, it's meant to help him go out and try to recruit people to campus next year, whether it be an offensive coordinator, whether it be players. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this day and age where the portal opens basically as soon as the season's over, the uh, signing date, early signing date now is in December, and there used to be a signing date in February. You, you could hire a coach or make a decision on a coach, you know, in early December. But, you know, you saw a and fire coach, you saw Mississippi State fire coach to get out ahead of the game. And mm-hmm. if you're going to retain a coach, I mean, Sam Pippen himself said all the speculation was killing recruiting. And so, you know, Hunter Yurchek can tell, can privately assure Sam Pittman, Sam Pittman and the coaches can assure the recruits. But it's not the same as when the AD comes out very publicly with a strong statement. So, you know, people can disagree with it. They can agree with it. But I think it was a good move. You either, you know, back your coach now and make that very clear or you make a change. And so um, obviously they're not going to make a change. And so I think the, the right move was to express strong support for Sam Pittman so that he can – you know, like, like you do the things that, as you alluded to, that they need to do to try to, you know, get this program turned around. I wrote it this week. It's very rare for a coach to come back to an SEC program when they've had a losing record and no bowl game in year four or later. You go back to Houston Nutt when he was retained at Arkansas after the 05 season. They went four and seven. They had gone five and six the year before. He gets retained. They come back in 06. Since that point, there have only been six SEC head coaches, and Sam Pittman being number six, who have been retained when they didn't make a bowl game in year four or later. It's a, it's a very short list. A couple of Vanderbilt coaches, uh, Bobby Johnson's one of them, Derek Mason is one, Jimbo Fisher at A&M uh, was one of them last year. Uh, I'm trying to think, Will Muschamp at South Carolina was one of them. And then one of them, a little bit of an outlier, in fact, a, a really big outlier, Gary Pinkle at Missouri, uh, his first season in the SEC, they come in and they go 5-7, and seven, don't make a bowl game. It's like year 12 or 13 for him at Mizzou. Obviously, they weren't going to fire him after you know moving to a new conference. But it's, it's a very short list, and it just goes to underscore how patient I think Arkansas is being with Pittman because you just don't see a lot of teams exhibit this kind of patience. You mentioned Mississippi State a second ago. They fired their coach, uh, what, nine games, ten games into the season? It was ten games into the season. Of course, that was a that – 
an odd situation because you know Mike Leach, you know, tragic passing last December during bowl prep, mm-hmm. right in the middle of the portal time and get right before national signing day. So I don't think Mississippi State really had a choice. Well, they were in an AD search too yeah. at that point. It was kind of a similar deal. Exactly, to Morris it, being hired at Arkansas. It was a very weird deal. So I think they did what they had to do and promoted Zach Arnett, mm-hmm. but he was 37. He changed the offense. Obviously, he had to bring in a new coordinator because Mike Leach called the plays, and I think everybody could see it wasn't working very well, though they did come in here and beat Arkansas. <laughs> but it, it, in terms of yeah, showing patience with Sam, that is kind of old school because you used to see coaches get a little bit more time. But you're right, you know, like you look at Brett Bielema, he had, a, you know, the first year they were 0-8 in the league and I think, what, 3-9, and and then they got a little bit better, 7-6, and 8-5. But they were falling back by his fourth year with that – blowing a big lead at Missouri, blowing a big lead in the bowl game. And he went into that last season in kind of a precarious situation. But, you know, I think you look at, the, you know, COVID puts a little bit different thing on it. But, you know, Sam, I really think that first year when they went three and seven, we know they should have been four and six because the refs blew the, the end of the Auburn game. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was one of his – I thought that was one of the best coaching jobs anybody's done the SEC in a while because um, – you know, it was a COVID year. They were playing – that's the toughest schedule in school history, 10 SEC games, and they added Georgia and Florida. I remember watching that and just being floored that they, they, they gave Arkansas, Georgia, and Florida. Are they, trying to, <laughs> are they trying to kill Sam or something? And so um, – and then the next year, obviously, you know, a lot of things fell their way. They stayed pretty healthy, went 9-4. and four. Last year, you know, just a lot of tough losses. And I didn't really think 7-6 and six, with all the close losses and KJ being banged up and missing a couple games, I didn't think it was that bad, but I'm not a fan either. And this year, I think I predicted them in my head to go seven and five, and they obviously aren't going to do that. But they've been close, and the you know the Auburn game they laid an egg, but the next week Auburn lost by 21 at home New Mexico State. I think that speaks to teams can have a really good game like Arkansas did at Florida, like Oklahoma State won Bedlam, you know, the last time they are going to play OU in the foreseeable future. They went to UCF, and Gus Malzahn beat them 45-3, to I think. So sometimes teams can have a really big emotional win like Arkansas did at Florida and come back and they're just not ready to play. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's unique to Arkansas. I think as we're seeing it, other t- it happens. But, um, you know, I think Sam's done a lot of good things, and you have to also realize – the program, how far down they were. I mean, they weren't in a, you know, the ditch. They were in like the bottom of the Grand Canyon. They were like <laughs> some hiker that went down the bottom of the Grand Canyon, was lost, and was dying of thirst and needed, you know, a helicopter to come in, you know, <laughs> and rescue him or something. And so um, I think when you look at what, you know, there's definitely minuses this year, yeah. but I think there's a lot of pluses in the column for Sam Pittman. I think Hunter Yurchek wants to give him a chance to rectify the situation, and I, th- you know, now if Nick Saban was banging at the door to take the job, yeah, or Kirby Smart or something, but you know, Sam was the one guy that really wanted this job, and I don't know. I'm not saying they, they couldn't probably get some young coaches who've done pretty well, but I don't know that they. There's not to me. There's not a sure bet guy out there, and so I think it's probably prudent to give Sam another year. You don't have to do the buyout money. They're probably you know they can apply money to NIL, which is a big deal now, and so. I've got no problem, and again, I'm not a fan, but I've got no problem with them showing some patience with Sam Pittman. You know, you allude to Gary Pinkle. Of course, he'd built up some capital at Missouri with some success in the Big 12, but his first year they were, I think, five and seven. Next two years they won the East, mm-hmm. won 10 games. So um, 
you look at what Kentucky, and I don't know about, you know, Mark Stoops is getting some heat at Kentucky now, which you know, he's kind of his own worst enemy because he raised expectations. But he's going to eight straight bowls, and there are some people that are upset because they, they didn't win nine games or whatever. If they beat Louisville, they'll be happy. But, you know, he came in at the same time Brett and Gus did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously Auburn didn't show a lot of patience with Gus, even though he averaged about eight wins a year. But at Auburn, that's not satisfactory. And then, obviously, you know, Arkansas fired uh, fired Brett. But, you know, Mark Stoops, I think that's an example. Like Houston Nutt being 10 years at Arkansas, Mark Stoops 11 years now at Kentucky, who's, he's really, to me, brought that program up to a different level because he took over, you know, a really down situation at Kentucky. I want to talk about Kentucky for a second because I think it's a, a very um, – you can make an, an interesting comparison, I think, between Kentucky and Arkansas from a football standpoint. I want to go back to the COVID season. You've had these conversations with Hunter, and I have too. He does not consider that COVID season to count against Sam. And then I think that's reflective in, in the buyout in his contract that if he were to be fired, the record that would determine does he get 75% of what he's owed or 50% of what he's owed is his record post-2020, so beginning with the 21 season. So we talk all the time about this is year four, this is year four. I think that in, in some ways, yes, he's been here for four years, but his boss, Juracek, sees this as really being year three. Yeah, and again, I, I mean, I know three and seven feels like, wow, three and seven. But, I mean, I thought that was a heck – I don't think Arkansas was favored in any of those games. And they really should have won four because – uh, Auburn game was just literally taken away from them. That should have mm-hmm. been a fumble, and Auburn never should have gotten kicked that game with a field goal. And they barely lost LSU. And uh, the, the the one game they really got blown out. I mean, Georgia, you know, pulled away in the second half, and then Alabama hammered them late in the year. But, you know, that was <clears> – but I thought Sam and the coaching staff did a really good job, especially when they weren't able to have a normal spring practice or, I guess, anything. Any, any spring any practice. Spring practice. Yeah. And things weren't normal in the fall. And – when they lost to LSU, I know they were down a bunch of linemen, and they played anyway. They honestly could have opted out of that, mm-hmm. but obviously you want to, you, you want to play. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Hunter is given Sam, and this is what a good AD should do. He should give his coaches, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, volleyball, whatever ball, um, <laughs> give his coaches every chance to be successful, whether that's helping them with facilities. Um, you know, helping them with salaries for staff, whatever that might be. And I think Hunter, and I will commend him for this, he's given Sam – he's trying to give Sam everything he can to be successful. And obviously football is the engine that drives the economic uh, – you know, economics of the athletic department. That's pretty mm-hmm. tr- pretty much true anywhere. Maybe Kentucky, North Carolina, it's a little more basketball. And certainly men's basketball, you know, does its share here at Arkansas. But, um, you know, I think – you know, to me – if you're not going to support your AD, then make a change. You know, don't don't uh, go halfway. You know, and so I, I commend Hunter uh, your check for backing Sam Pittman, and we'll see what happens. And um, you know, if it doesn't work out, they may have to make a change. But um, I, I I believe it can work out. I'm not you know I don't have a crystal ball or whatever, but I I can see where um, where they could have a bounce back year. I mentioned Kentucky, and I want to go back to this for a minute. When Stoops took over at Kentucky, Joker Phillips had been there for three years. They weren't very good in any of his years, but his last one, they went winless in the SEC. Stoops' first year, they go winless in the SEC. So obviously, we're not talking an apples-to-apples comparison here to what happened at Arkansas. But there is a little bit of a comparison, I think, that can be made there because Kentucky was really down in the dumps at, at the point that Stoops is starting year two at Kentucky. 
they go five and seven, five and seven, and then they run off this this line of bowl games, uh, like you mentioned, they have. I feel like at Kentucky, the expectations are probably kind of like they ought to be at Arkansas. You are going to hover somewhere around bowl eligibility. I don't know if that's seven and five, six and six, eight and four. I don't know what it is, but you're going to be somewhere in that ballpark. And then every few years under Stoops, and I think that this is what is a reasonable expectation at Arkansas. Every few years under Stoops, they're going to go ten and three. They had ten and three record in eighteen. They went ten and three in twenty one. Who knows how it'll go next year? I mean, I guess if if you look at that, maybe twenty four is going to be a good year for Kentucky. But I feel like that's maybe a, a good um, place to start with Arkansas, just from an expectation standpoint, is get bowl eligible every year and then have a team every few years that can challenge the big boys. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying this half-jokingly. Maybe the, the big mistake Sam Pippen made was going 9-4 and four his second the year. second year. Kind of huh? like it, I, I've kidded Houston not about this, about going 9-3 and three his first year. But, um, you know, pe- people – you know, maybe if you're Nick Saban and, and you go 7-6 and six his first year and then the next year they're in the SC championship game, and then after that, you know, with Alabama, if that – this this is the 16th straight year they win 10 games. They're 10 and one. They beat Auburn. You know, they'll probably be 11 and one. Well, they they will be 11 and one. Then they'll go to Georgia, go to Atlanta and play Georgia. We'll see what happens. But you know, Arkansas a newsflash is not Alabama in football. And so you know, if Sam Pittman or you know whoever leads them to a nine win season, you can't say, well, gee, now we're going to win 10, 11, and 12 or whatever. No, no, that's not how it works. I think I looked this up the other day. Since Arkansas joined the league in '92, so I think this would be 32 seasons. They've won nine or more games seven times, hmm. and you know, topping out by Petrino won 11 his last year, won 10 the year before that. Houston won 10 the year they won the West in 2006, won nine I think three other times. Um, when Danny Ford won the West in '95, I think they finished eight and five. Of course, they they played 11 games, then mm-hmm. not 12 like they do now, and then you have the extra games with possibly the championship game in your conference and then a bowl game or, or the playoffs or whatever. But um, and then I think it's 12 times Arkansas has won four or fewer games, including like three 0 and eights in the SEC and some one and sevens. And so um, you know Houston Nutt, and I know you know Houston. Can people may have mixed feelings about his tenure. He won 75 games in 10 years, even with my limited math skills. I know that's seven and a half wins a year, so that rounds up to eight. And that was in some years where they only played 11 games. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also he had a 42-38 and 38 record in the SEC. He had mm-hmm. a winning record in the SEC. That's when they played Tennessee every year most of the time. Uh, you know, South Carolina had some good years in there. They obviously were playing the West all the time. Everybody in the West, those four A&M got in, Missouri got in, but um, – you know, uh, to your point, I, I think if you – like you say, you, you know, you try to have a big year every now and again. Well, obviously, you want to win every year, but I just it's not realistic for Arkansas to average 10 wins in the SEC. It's just mm-hmm. not, you know. And so I think the sooner people come accept that reality, the better. It's just a very hard job. I was talking to somebody the other day about this, and I was going down um, a little word association game you say an SEC program, and, and you tell me if that's a better job than Arkansas. And, you know, there's obviously, you know, Alabama and Georgia at the top, and then probably just below them is LSU and Auburn and Tennessee and Florida, even though they're struggling. But really, Arkansas is the, the only program they are clearly, clearly better than, in my mind, is Vanderbilt. I would put them in there with 
I know Kiffin's doing some really good things at Ole Miss, but you think of Arkansas, South Carolina, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, those are six kind of – like you can have a year like Missouri's having. They're 9-2. Mm-hmm. They're ranked in the top ten. Uh, you know, last year <clears throat> South Carolina won eight games and almost beat Notre Dame in a bowl game. You know, Arkansas won nine games two years ago. As you alluded to, Kentucky's won ten games. Uh, Kiffin's probably going to win 10 games at, at Ole Miss for the second time. Mississippi State's had some good years. But those teams um, are not consistently going to challenge Kentucky or Georgia, you know, for, for SEC titles, I don't think. And Alabama so, or Georgia. Yeah. We're not talking about basketball. Yeah, sorry. Did I say Kentucky? I got, <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky. On the, I got Kentucky on the mind. But um, so um, – yeah, Arkansas is probably a top 30 job in the country because of the tradition, the facilities, um, you know, the fan base, probably NIL now. But if you're top 30, you're maybe ninth best in the SEC, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, in a good year, Arkansas, you know, as by Petrino showed and as Houston showed, um, you can challenge for the SEC and you, and you could win the West. Bobby never won the West, but I think he went six and two his last two years. Houston went seven and one in 2006, but um, you know I just uh, you know, I think people have to be realistic about the expectations and realize what a hard job Arkansas is, and, and it's mainly because the recruiting base here is so small, and you have to go. You know, this is a really good state for basketball, and and obviously you don't need to sign. You know, you don't need to bring in you know 30 guys in basketball every year in the portal and, and signees, and so Eric Musselman can recruit some really good Arkansas kids. Like like Nick Smith and Lane Blocker and supplement with with some other national type recruits and then bring in five or six transfers. He doesn't have to worry about bringing in thirty guys. I mean, Eric does a great job recruiting. His staff does, but football and every other sports there's just apples and oranges because you got you know a hundred football players. I think it's going to be a lot more than thirty this year. Well, I mean, you think about the signees; <clears throat> they're going to have to overhaul this roster before next season because there's going to be a lot of pressure to win next year. I think I think they're going to have to bring in. A lot more than 30 players. We'll get to some more Arkansas talk here in just a minute. Arkansas, Missouri coming up on Friday. First, we want to tell you the Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King. Design, display, signage, KendallKing.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kendall King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services through in-store signing and displays, and finally, to social influence. We've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win, and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! All right, we'll get into some Arkansas-Missouri talk now. We mentioned 3 o'clock kickoff on Friday on CBS over at Razorback Stadium. Missouri has consistently trended toward a 10-win regular season all year. We do these SEC efficiency rankings, and I'm kind of tinkering with the numbers every week. You know, how would they look against Tennessee? How would they look against Florida? Because, you know, five, six weeks ago, those were considered games that we thought might be toss-ups. The Florida game ended up being a toss-up where they traded field goals in the last couple of minutes, and, and Missouri wins that. But all season, they've trended toward winning 10 games. The two games that have consistently uh, said they were going to lose were LSU and Georgia, and that's what happened so far. Now they come into Fayetteville. Is it a rivalry game? I don't know, but what I can tell you is it's the end of the year. Weird things happen on this weekend, and you got an Arkansas team now that they know they're going to have Sam Pittman back next year. Maybe there's a little bit of a motivation, a spark, that they play you know, an inspired game, this being 
you know, to, to borrow kind of a, an, an often used cliche, it's kind of like their bowl game. Playing Missouri, a chance maybe to, to knock their season off the rails a little bit. I think Missouri's a better team. I think Missouri should be favored. But it's not going to surprise me if Arkansas goes out and plays a real competitive game Friday and gives them a chance to win, especially not with the way we've seen this series go. It's it's 7-2 in favor of Missouri. A handful of plays that could very easily be 6-3, and 7-2 in favor of Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, I think Missouri, uh, honestly, they just seem to take the game more seriously. I know Arkansas They play fans, better in the fourth quarter. I know yeah, that. Arkansas fans, to me anyway, sort of act like they're above Missouri and why do we have to play Missouri and blah, blah, blah. And it's but like, you know, Bob, I was looking you know, at this. Missouri, they rank eighth in the SEC since 2012 in the number of wins, and they're only two behind Ole Miss. That was really surprising to me. I think that they have played a lot better – in the SEC than, than most people would give them credit for. And I think, you know, part of it's playing in the East. They're playing an easier schedule every year. They get to play Vanderbilt and South Carolina and, and you know, Kentucky some of those years was not very good. But that, that surprised me that they were number eight in, in the SEC and win since the last expansion. Well, of course, it helps. Like we said, they won the East in uh, 2012 and 2013, I guess it was. And of 13 course, and 14. 13 and yeah. 14. Georgia, you know, had some down years. You know, by their standards, uh, Tennessee was sort of wandering around the wilderness for about 15 years. <laughs> Florida, post Spurrier, and and you know, Urban Meyer obviously had a great run there, but they've they, they've been up and down. I remember I was, uh, last night I was looking up some stuff, thinking, wow, you know, if, if Florida loses to Florida State, they're guaranteed, you know, they're going to be five and seven. They won't go to a bowl, and they were six and seven last year. When was the last time Florida had back-to-back losing seasons? Well, actually, this would be their third straight losing season. Dad Mullins, Dan Mullins, Dan, yeah. Dan Mullins last year when he got fired, they went six and seven. And um, so, yeah, Missouri's Missouri's held their own. I think maybe some people thought that they wouldn't be able to, you know. Uh, punch up to their weight or whatever that term is in the SEC. But they've, they've done, you know, pretty well. I'm sure being the SEC has helped them. I mean, they're in some good recruiting areas with Columbia being right literally on a major interstate, I-70, right between St. Louis and Kansas City. Gary Pinkle, when he was there, they did a really good job recruiting Texas in the Big 12. And, of course, they played a lot of Texas schools back then. But, um, yeah, Missouri's done. You know, and it's people forget Eli Drinkwitz kind of entered this season on the hot seat. You know, he mm-hmm. he'd been to three straight bowls, but I think they'd been you know six and six. I remember writing this in the preseason. They were literally the uh, definition of mediocrity, which I don't necessarily say mediocrity is terrible. That just means you're in the middle. I mean, they've like six and six is mediocre. You know, mm-hmm. uh, ten and two is good. Two and ten is bad. Six and six is mediocre. That you know, average. You know, an, another way to put it. And um, but this year they had a lot of players back. They got a lot of guys came, a lot of older guys came back instead of opting out or going in the portal or whatever. You know, Brady Cooks had a really great year. Cody Schrader, their running back, who's I think is going to win the Burlesworth He's Trophy. Phenomenal. We'll see. You know, he was at Truman State, which Sam Pittman alluded to. That's if you're from Missouri like I am, you know, that's old Northeast Missouri State in Kirksville. What do you say was the bowl game that Pitt State played? The Molin. Uh, M-O-I-L-A Shrine Bowl. And they played that in St. Joseph, Missouri. And uh, uh, Sam actually had a pick in that game. He was a freshman lineman, and they mm-hmm. lost the game. But it is his, he, he scored a touchdown, and it got called back by a penalty. The reason I know that is because a few years ago, people might remember Eric Gregory had a pick against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a lineman's dream, right, to get a – you know, fumble recovery is nice, but a, a pick, you know, by a lineman with those big paws – and so Sam told that story and because um, um, Cody Schrader, I guess I'm go, going long here, 
um, transferred from Truman State to uh, to Arkansas, or Missouri. to Missouri, yeah. which would be sort of like somebody transferring from Washita Baptist to Arkansas. Yeah. He walked on. He'd had a very productive career at Division II, like 3,000 rushing yards. Walked on to Missouri. Had a good year last year. He rushed for about 800 yards. People might remember he had about 80-something against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And this year he's just taken off, and he's on scholarship. He's, he's, he's going to lead the SEC in rushing. He's got nearly 1,300 yards. He's a good receiver. It's a great success story, and um, he's a, one of three finals for the Burlesworth Trophy. And, I, you know, if I had a vote, which I don't, I'd vote for him. Hmm. I know uh, Bob Stoops' uh, son, Drake, is mm-hmm. in there, and I honestly can't remember the third guy. James Madison defensive That's line. That's right, James yeah, and James Madison's had a great year. Um, well, I guess they did get beat the other day. But, yeah, Missouri's got some – and Luther Burden's has done a great job as a wide receiver. Of course, he caught the fourth and 17 pass against Florida, and you just kind of shake your head. How did that happen if you're Florida, if you're not, if you're Missouri? And they've got a really good – their defense has played really well. Mm-hmm. People remember Al Davis, big Al Davis as we called him. Yeah. He's one of the defensive line coaches there, Kevin Peoples, who's a semifinalist for the uh, Broyles Award. It coaches their edge rushers uh, – Al coaches the inside guys. They've got a really good defense. We know they got the thicker kicker, you know Harrison Mavis. He hit game winning uh, field goal again. You know, sixty one yard against K State, which to me that's really where it all started from Missouri because they'd gotten hammered forty to twelve the year before by Kansas State, and they beat them this year on that last second field goal that mm-hmm. was, you know, sixty one yard or just incredible. And so that's kind of started the revenge tour for Missouri. You know, they avenged that bad loss to K-State. You know, Tennessee embarrassed them the last two years, beating them 66 to 24 and I think 66 to 28 or something. And so that was real personal for Missouri to beat Tennessee. And then Florida, they've had some rough losses, although that kind of been give and take. Mm-hmm. And so they beat Florida. And so now they can't – it's not a revenge game against Arkansas because, you know, Missouri beat them last year. But – um, I think last year Missouri was two and four and one score games. This year they're four and zero. Oh. So that's really been the difference for them is they found a way to win the close games this year. And, and Arkansas, had, if Arkansas mm-hmm. had been able to win the close games this year like Missouri had, you know Arkansas could have seven, eight wins, you know, or at least six, and um, just hadn't happened. You see that happen all the times. Like the teams that can't win the the close games one year, especially when they've got a high number of, of returners. They come back and, and they are able to win those next years. Um, I can't remember what team it was. Mike Anderson had a team here at Arkansas, though. I mean, I think they had like 12 losses by four points or less, something a, a very high number. And then the next year is the year when they have Portis back and Qualls back, and they should have beaten UNC in the second round of the NCAA tournament or they came awfully close to it. Um, you know, you've seen that, in, in, and I think that's – that may speak well for Arkansas next year that they've come so close this year. Now we don't know what the roster is going to look like next year. It's it's as unpredictable I think as ever, uh, you know, in terms of, of trying to figure out what a team is going to look like next year relative to what they look like this year because of, of the transfer market. It just changes things so much. Uh, but maybe that's a good sign for Arkansas that they can do that. You mentioned a few a few of these players. This, I think this is every team's dream to have a strong quarterback they've got it with Brady Cook to have a strong running back they've got it with Schrader you mentioned he's got close to 1300 yards the next leading rusher in the SEC is Jaden Daniels the quarterback at LSU and he's almost 300 yards behind Schrader uh, he's having an incredible season Bob mentioned that he's a finalist for the Burlesworth Trophy which is for the best uh, player who began his career as a walk-on uh, he's also a semifinalist for the Doak Walker Award 
as the best player or the best running back in the country. And it's, I don't think he's going to be invited to New York by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not going to be surprised if he gets some votes for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, the you know some third place votes, maybe even some first place votes. Who knows? And then they've got this receiver Luther Burden, who's awfully good. Uh, he's a semifinalist for the Bolitnikoff Trophy or the Bolitnikoff Award. And I think one of the interesting matchups to watch this weekend is Burden versus Dwight McLaughlin. If McLaughlin can get on the field, that's been a little right. bit that's, of a, that's yeah. a little bit of an issue with him here lately. But you look at Pro Football Focus; they've got McLaughlin as the number one cornerback in the country. They have got. Burden as the number three wide receiver in the country. So I'm sure Missouri is going to be doing a lot of things to try to get Burden off of McLaughlin as, as much as they can, assuming that they're going to end up on the same side of the field. But if those two ever end up one-on-one, -on -one, that's going to be the matchup to watch Friday. Yeah, I think you're right. They move him around a lot. They, they like to use him in the slot. But, yeah, Nudie, um, or Dw that's Dwight McLaughlin's nickname, um, he can make himself some money with, with a good showing. And, and, and Burden could, too. Now, Burden's only a sophomore. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think one of, the, one of the reasons you see so many guys drafted high in the SEC is, one, they're really talented. And the NFL people, I think, respect the recruiting and the development by the coaches. But also they get to see great players playing against each other, whether it's offensive linemen and defensive linemen or, you know, defensive backs and wide receivers or linebackers taking on – running backs, whatever the case might be, they get to see the best players in the country going at it every week. And so you can go run a great time with a combine or bench press however many reps, but I don't think there's anything like putting out there on tape like, wow, you really locked down that great player or, mm -hmm. wow, you really had your way with that lockdown cornerback. And so, yeah, that, that would be a fascinating you know, subplot game within the game. Um, if those guys are matched up a lot. These PFF numbers for McLaughlin are incredible. He's been targeted 22 times this season, 22 times in 11 games. Now, I know he hadn't been on the field you know, as, as much as, as some other corners might be, but 22 times in 11 games, which tells me that teams are avoiding him. They're avoiding the receiver on that side of the field. Nine of those 22 attempts have been completed for a total of 104 yards, so they complete it. They're not getting just a whole lot of yardage out of it, probably about an 11-yard average there. He's got three interceptions in those 22 targets. I don't know that I realized until I really started digging into these numbers a couple of weeks ago just how incredible this year has been for him. But, I mean, these, these numbers, they, they back it up. He's got a pass coverage grade in PFF of 92.2. I think if you got anything over an 80, you've got a heck of a quarterback on your or cornerback on your hands. And he's at 92.2. It's it's the best in the country. Yeah, I mean he 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 was a nice uh, transfer portal pickup last year. I mean he had a very good season, and um, he was a guy I honestly thought might enter the draft last year. But he mm -hmm. talked to us in the preseason. We don't get to talk to him a whole lot. I guess they're a little worried about what he might say. But, you know, we talked to him. He, he was the defensive player of the year or whatever in the Liberty Bowl, defensive player of the game in the Liberty Bowl, and I thought he was fine talking to us. But he talked to us in the preseason. I don't think we've talked to him since then. But he talked about, um, you know, knowing he needed some things to work on. He wanted to come back and, and, and improve his all-around game and, you know, help the team, obviously, and help himself. And, I think there's not any doubt he's helped himself. He got, I believe, it was a concussion, or at least he was in the concussion protocol after A and M. And you know, mm -hmm. you, you don't sit there and say, "Well, yeah, his head's feeling 80 percent, so we're going to put him out there." It's not quite like having a sore ankle or a sore knee or something. And so he sat out for some times. I also, you know, we don't get to watch practice of late, but 
Um, I heard that he was missing practice time, and as good a player as you are, it's hard to get on the field in games if you're not practicing. I mean, players, I mean, coaches don't want to put players out there who aren't practicing because I don't. I think they feel like that sends a bad message to the team, even though we know he's obviously one of their best players. And so it obviously would would, would help Arkansas a lot if, if he could play and play well on Friday. Yeah, Pittman said that he missed some some practice time leading up to the FIU game. He didn't start, came in in the third series, and then he pretty much played the rest of the game. Some interesting injuries in this game. Arkansas is going to be without their top two running backs. Rocket Sanders uh, suffered a labrum tear during the, the game against FIU last week. Uh, Rashad DeBinion's out with a meniscus uh, injury. On the Missouri side, there's a couple of interesting uh, uh, defensive question marks. They've got a, a cornerback named Enos Rakestraw who's questionable this week. They've got a linebacker named Tyron Harper who is a finalist for the Butkus Award. He did not play against Florida. Uh, his status is questionable for this week. Kind of an interesting thing about Tyron Harper. I don't uh, Hopper. I don't know if you realize this. His cousin, and I, I, I believe it's Tehran. I think one's Tyron and one's Tehran. He's a defensive GA at Arkansas. Played for Missouri as well. And that, that I yeah. did not know that. I'll have to get that in the notes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean the running back room has really changed for the Razorbacks, but. They had already planned to play Isaiah Gustav, a pretty talented freshman mm-hmm. he, who's played, I think he, he's played in 10 games with primarily special teams. I think he had maybe six carries but, but before last week against FIU. Came out they, of nowhere they, against they, FIU. Yeah, they wanted to give him some work, and I think they wanted to give him a little bit of work, and then when Rocket and uh, R-Dub got hurt, I think in the first quarter, definitely in the first half, because mm-hmm. um, Rocket went like 15 yards on the first carry, and that, that's probably when he got hurt. And he just had a rough year with the injuries. He obviously needs needs to get you know healthy and, um, but but uh, so Isaiah Augusto he ended up getting I think 14 carries for 101 yards. Looked really good. He's breaking tackles, running tough. You know, Sam said you know we asked why he. It's funny during the week somebody asked him about younger guys, and I don't think they asked about him in particular. But Sam mentioned him. Yeah, he's a guy that may you you may see more of, or you may see some of, and then. Just because of the circumstances with the injuries and because of the way he was playing, he got a lot of carries. And Dominic Johnson, who had a really good year in 2021 before getting hurt in the bowl game, has had two ACLs, tears, and, and uh, major surgeries. But One time got, Missouri commit. Yeah, Dominic he got. Johnson. Yeah, they flipped him. I think Barry Odom, maybe Brad Davis flipped him. Um, or maybe Brad already left. But anyway. Um, you, you know, he, he's had a rough go of it, you know, t- coming back from knee surgery not once but twice. Mm-hmm. And so he had a nice run for a touchdown. He hadn't scored a touchdown in two years. And so I understand it was, it was Florida International. You know, they weren't playing Alabama or Georgia. But that has to give those running – I think you can tell that it boosted, you know, the confidence in those running backs. Now those guys are going to be asked to, to carry the load. Um, you know, against Missouri, and we'll see what happens. Missouri's got a pretty salty defense, but I'm, I'm really anxious to see how those guys look against, obviously, a higher quality team than, than no offense to Florida International, but, you know, they're not an SEC team. feels to me like for Arkansas to win this game, it's going to have to be the K.J. Jefferson show, especially with the, the questions that they have in the backfield. I know uh, Isaiah Augusta uh, played well last week against FIU. This is a, a totally different type of deal playing Missouri this week. I think Arkansas is going to have to score some points because I think Missouri is going to score score a decent amount of points this week. Uh, Arkansas's run defense is not very good. Missouri's got one of the best running attacks in the league. Obviously, we mentioned that Cody Schrader is their is the leading rusher in, in the SEC. 
for KJ, since they made the change from Dan Enos to Kenny Guyton, admittedly they have not played teams that are as good defensively. They didn't play A&M. They didn't play Alabama after the change. They played them beforehand. But, you know, you look at these numbers for him, uh, just in terms of, of what they're doing, uh, getting him carries. Before the change, he was averaging about 10 quarterback runs per game. And this is adjusted for sacks. So this doesn't take the many, many, many sacks that Arkansas has given up into consideration. Arkansas has given up 42 sacks this year. That's the most since the 08 season when they gave up 46. But 10 runs for about 53 yards a game is what he had before the change. Since the change, fewer teams, not as good defenses, 13 carries for 97 yards. This looks more like the KJ of old the last few weeks, and and they need him to really go out and, and play his best game, I think, in what might be his final game at Razorback Stadium. I know that I, I personally think it will be. He's got the chance for the, you know, the, the plus one season to come back next year, although that would kind of surprise me. But this is, you know, this is the game where you can kind of maybe go out and, and make your mark. Well, his first his first career start, I believe, was at LSU at the end in of the 19. 2019 season. Yeah. I think he got concussed on there. I think Arkansas's last three quarterbacks got concussed that year because the offensive line wasn't very good. And obviously the offensive line has had their share of struggles this year. And so, yeah, I think you need – K.J. needs to be – more active, you know. He's, we know he's mobile, but yeah, I think there's going to be more designed runs. You're going to mention the 2020 uh, game, weren't you? Well, I was going to say, yeah, the, the the 2020 game. He played great. You know, Felipe Franks was hurt. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'd have to look up KJ's numbers. He played really well. I think it was like 274 yeah. passing yards, something like three yeah, a couple or four touchdowns. touchdowns. And and they they took the lead on a two point conversion. You know, Sam rolled the dice, went for two point conversion, and they went up. I guess 48, 47. Mm-hmm. And then um, Mavis kicked a field goal at the buzzer. Missouri, and you know that especially was tough for Barry Odom because he'd been fired. As Missouri. He's a Missouri guy, he played linebacker there. He was a coordinator, he was a head coach. He got fired after they beat uh, Arkansas in Little Rock in 2019. Now they didn't fire him on the field like they did Arkansas did with Brett, <laughs> but but uh, he got fired the next day, I think. And then I don't mm-hmm. think pretty quickly after that, Sam Pittman called him. Well, after Sam got the job, obviously, but. Um, yeah, the, 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 that was a game. You know, KJ had a really big game, and I, you're right. I mean, I think he, for them to have a shot to beat Missouri, he's going to have to to play really well. But he has played better of late. I think he's definitely more confident um, with what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. It seems like he and Kenny. You know, we don't get to see practice, but certainly after the Florida game, I mean, everybody was happy, right? But those guys, that was really. I mean, they were really emotional together, and so um, yeah, I think you know, and KJ seems. Um, hey, after this late in the season, I know I'm not going to say he's totally healthy. I'm, none of these guys are, but he seems like he's in a pretty good place. You know, he seemed really happy after the game the other night. He broke some more records, and they did it in a win. And so, um, yeah, if this is his farewell at Arkansas, then you know, he, I'm sure he wants to go out on top. Missouri's a seven-point favorite. You think Arkansas can can stay within seven? I think so. I think, uh, like you said at the start, I think they're going to be very. I think our, you know, if Arkansas was playing FIU ten the season, they probably wouldn't be very excited. Uh, you might even have some guys opt out. I don't know, but I think Missouri, you know, Missouri has a lot to play for. They're they're a top ten team. I mean, beating Missouri's not going to change all the tough losses. Not going to send Arkansas to Tampa for a bowl game or whatever, but. 
I think it could give them a lot of satisfaction. For some of these guys, it's going to be their last college game. For other ones, they're trying to impress pro scouts, whatever the case might be. They might be trying to impress other schools that they want to go in the portal. Or they're trying to impress Sam and his staff and say, hey, I want to come back. Here's a reason to bring me back. Look mm -hmm. at how well I play against a really good Missouri team. And so I think there's a lot of motivation for Arkansas. It's, it's the, you know, they're, they're at home. They haven't played real well at home, uh, you know. When your biggest win at home is over FIU, you know you know it's been a rough year. Yeah. I think I would put them over Kent State, maybe. but um, um, you know, and then Missouri, on the other hand, you know they played they've played a really tough uh, schedule here of late. You know, I mean they beat Tennessee. Mm -hmm. and, well, they played at Georgia, and they had Georgia. They played Georgia as well as anybody has. They, yeah. That game was 27-21, Georgia late. Missouri had the ball. And Brady Cook, who's had a phenomenal year, threw it through a deep pick, and Georgia got a field goal. But they played Georgia really tough. Obviously, emptied the tank there. Beating Tennessee, very emotional for them. And then they had a really tough game against Florida. So they've had three really tough emotional games. Now they got to go on the road on a short week. So I think that all favors Arkansas. And Arkansas is coming off a feel-good win over, granted, FIU. But, you know, and I don't think they're probably as banged up as, as – um, as Missouri might be playing those last three games they did. So um, I think there are some intangibles that might work in Arkansas's favor in this game. We hope you come to wholehogsports.com. Uh, before the game, you can read all of our coverage. I've got our, our, ten, or our keys to watch uh, before Arkansas-Missouri. Bob's going to have a great story on Thanksgiving Day, by the way. Uh, this is the last regular season SEC East versus SEC West game. It's not the last one because you still got the SEC championship game next week in Atlanta. Uh, but it's it's an interesting look at how the East and the West have compared against each other. Uh, Bob sourced the story real well, talked to lots of current head coaches, some former head coaches, Greg Sankey, uh, the SEC commissioner, and others. Uh, so hope you'll uh, check that out on Thursday on our website. Uh, next week, Scotty and Ethan will be back here. Scotty's off in the Bahamas getting a tan right now watching the, the basketball team play down at the Battle for Atlantis. Ethan's back home. Uh, for Thanksgiving, so we appreciate Bob stepping in. But we'll be back next week to talk about Arkansas, Missouri. And who knows, we might have all kinds of crazy personnel-type stuff to talk about. I have a feeling that next week it's going to get pretty eventful for Arkansas football when you start talking about players entering the portal, uh, transfers potentially coming in. Obviously, you've got official recruiting visits coming up. And Arkansas has got to make an offensive coordinator hire, and I have a feeling that that might happen pretty soon to try to stabilize things in recruiting. Again, for Bob Holt, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us. Hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.